You are listening to episode seven of the Homegrown Farmhouse podcast, and today's podcast is going to be all about raising chickens from chicks. Hey there, I'm Laura, the voice and face behind Laura Stewart blog and YouTube channel. We are a family of three learning how to homestead on our eight acre farm in the heart of Texas. Follow along as we share our journeys in homesteading, farmhouse restoration, cooking from scratch, sheep raising, and so much more. Hey, this is Laura. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm so sorry I took a few weeks off in light of everything that's been happening um, and being a little bit behind on building our garden and getting everything into the ground before it was too late. I did take a little bit of a break, kind of had to get my bearings and uh, with the kiddo being out of school and not knowing what that held, there was just a lot that landed on all of our plates. So I know that you guys forgive me and we're going to move past and hopefully get back to a weekly occurrence of a podcast so that we can stay connected. So in today's episode, I know that a lot of people recently, particularly around my area who have never raised chickens before, have decided to jump into that pool um, for multiple reasons. Just to make sure that you always have fresh eggs, because I know around here um, in parts of Texas, they were out and I'm actually um, kind of selling mine to people who absolutely need them, um, handing them out to friends and family as well. It's uh, it's just kind of a it's kind of a nice thing to have your eggs at home and to know that you're always going to have those and where they came from, and it's also really fun to raise chickens. I've talked about that on a previous podcast. So the initial six that I raised um, from chicks to chickens started two years ago uh, this month exactly. And when I started, I literally walked into the feed store, heard them chirping, said, why not? I bought six of them, asked the um, people that were working there what all I needed. I purchased those as well, come to find out they weren't um, any more informed than I was. And so they instructed me to purchase some Cornish birds that I was told um, were great egg layers come to find out they were actually meat birds and they don't typically lay eggs and you have to call them at age six to eight weeks so those were immediately given to another homesteader locally since they know how to call and harvest meat birds I had no desire to do that that may come later um, my intention was solely to raise pets that provide food basically eggs so after selling those, I still had all the equipment, the food. I just went back to the feed store after doing a little bit more research and being a little bit more informed. And I purchased six, um, three red sex link and three black sex link. I still have five. Um, I would have all six still if it had not been for some farm dogs we were trying to train. That was a bad experience, but that's something I'll go into um, at a later date. Just know that accidents happen and they're prey animals, so you know it is what it is. Um, and so I still have those five. They are two years old. Most people will say after 18 months to two years, they kind of stop laying eggs. I haven't seen that necessarily with my hens. They have maybe slowed a little bit where I would get one to two eggs a day per hen. Right now I'm getting, um, on average, four, sometimes five eggs a day out of the five that I have. So. I do think that proper care and health is gonna make a difference on how many eggs you get, and then the, particularly uh, whatever breed you get. Some of those are known to 
um, be really good egg layers and some of them are known to not produce as much. I would say um, probably most of your brown egg layer breeds are usually pretty good. Um, I'm going to post a blog post in regards to all of this, uh, I believe today or tomorrow as well. It just depends on how many eggs you're wanting, what kind of breed you're wanting. Keep in mind that all different breeds have different personalities. For me in Texas with this heat and occasionally crazy weather, um, you know, it'll get really cool or really cold and then really hot and then rain a lot all within the same week. So for me, I had to have breeds that could withstand that with minimal um, need requirements just so that you're not having to build specific coops with specific temperatures and that sort of thing and not risking them losing their lives because of weather. So for me, the sex links have worked out really well. This round, this will be the first round of chicks that I've purchased since um, the ones that I got two years ago. And I did buy some Americanas, which are blue-green egg layers. I got some barred rocks and then I got a um, Dominique. Never had any breed other than the sex links. But I did do a little bit of research as far as what breeds are hardy enough to withstand um, the, the hot Texas temperatures here in the summer. That's not to stay, say that I still don't have to maintain them, particularly during the week or two long stretch where that temperature is over 100. I offer frozen fruits and keep a frozen water bottle in their water and make sure they have shade that's wet, that sort of stuff. Um, so there is maintenance involved, and I know that there's some farmers that don't even go to that extent. They just kind of say, if you make it, you make it. If you don't, you don't. Um, I feel like they're my responsibility, so I... I don't live with that mentality, but that's just, that's how I raise my chickens. And I do think that it's made a difference in the amount of eggs that we're getting per day, per week from the hens that we own. I do have 11 chicks in the um, chick bin right now, probably bit off more than I could chew, but you know, that, um, that intoxicating feeling when you go into a feed store and you hear the little baby chirps, it's about the same when some people see a puppy or a kitten or even a baby human. It's just, it's very hard to resist. They're very cute. Um, and I feel like the first time I did this, maybe not having the knowledge that I needed to have, but I'm very much a jump before I look and just jump in with both feet and learn as I go. And I did do some research. That's not to say that I knew absolutely zero. But for me, having the chicks, the few things that I wanted to cover with you guys is what I feel is important. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm the pro of the universe when it comes to chicks. I still have to research. I still have situations that come up that I don't particularly know what to do and that I have to reach out or do some uh, further reading for investigation. For example, last night I had a chick that had something called pasty butt. I had heard about it. I had read about it, but I'd never had to take care of it myself. Thankfully, I think we caught it early enough that the chick is going to make it, but you know, you just never know. Sometimes they have underlying health issues that you never would have known when you purchased them. So I do have 11 in there. I do think it's important to offer, particularly um, as they're developing, a probiotic and electrolytes in their water. That's something that I did for the last round of hens, and I think that it's just one of those extra... Um, steps that you can take that's not that expensive, it's not that difficult, and it definitely helps them out. I do use a red bulb versus a white heat lamp bulb just because I think the white ones kind of disrupt their sleep, which is not healthy for them either. In the bin that they are in, I use the Clip Lamp um, 110 red heat lamp bulb is what I have on there. 
but I also make sure that I allow them a corner of the bin that has zero light in it, just so that if they get too hot or that temperature gets too warm, they have a, a place to kind of cool down and escape that. You always wanna make sure that their bedding is clean. Um, I probably, and it just depends on how small of a space that you have them in, um, and obviously how many chickens or chicks that you have in that bin. Um, I probably change it every three to four days or so. If it gets worse than that in a short amount of time, I change it. Sometimes they go a little bit longer. It just depends. But keeping it pretty clean is going to be important for the health of them, particularly in the development stage. Having sides high enough in the bin is going to be pretty important because they can start to jump and kind of fly, I would say, within a week or two of you having the chicks. Um, some people use tops. I do recommend that as well. Um, kind of a screened, maybe wood framed top on top of the bin just to keep them from jumping out. Depending upon how often you're able to check on them, if one gets out and doesn't have access to the heat lamp or um, does not have access to the food and water, you can see how quickly that can become an issue and go downhill rather quickly for the chick. And I don't want that to happen to you guys. I would imagine that would be quite traumatic, particularly for the first, uh, first time chicken moms. Um, I would say be careful about how many you put in a small space. Um, they are what people call tiny dinosaurs, so they will kind of attack each other and they will start to pick on any of the weak, um, ones that are sick. That's usually kind of a sign as to who you, you know, how you can tell if one of them is maybe got an issue is the others will start to kind of bully on them. The first few weeks you have them, um, they won't have a whole lot of their, what that's called under feathers, uh, mainly just be what I call fluffy butts, like the little bitty fluffy chicks. They'll start to develop those within a week or two. I also don't recommend, um, and that's something that I did this year, but only a day apart. If you put, I don't know, a couple of chicks in the bin and then you wanna wait an entire week before you purchase any more, I would separate those. I would not put them in the same bin together just to avoid um, them being attacked. Obviously, I free feed, um, which means I offer them food 24-7. You need to use either a medicated grower formula of feed, which is probably what's best for them. This round, I'm trying um, what's called all flock, which means you can feed it to grown chickens, you can feed it to the chicks, you can feed it if you have ducks. This is probably actually more designed to feed on farms that basically have an array of um, birds, different types of breeds of birds on their property. That being said, I would say that the medicated starter is probably going to be your best bet for them. I do like to, I wouldn't say experiment, but kind of become a little bit more knowledgeable on um, feeds, lighting, that sort of thing, so that I can bring the information back to you and fully educate myself as well. So I am trying the off-lock. Um, I'm still offering the probiotic and the electrolyte in their water, and I'm making sure that that water is clean twice a day and that's not to say that I completely dump it and start over but I just make sure I kind of clean out the base because um, they will unfortunately go to the bathroom and put the cedar chips in the base of that um, waterer and you just want to make sure that that stays uh, clear. Always check to make sure that they're going to the bathroom. The first few weeks that you'll have them, um, their stool will be a little bit loose. Um, it should start to firm up within a week or two. If that doesn't happen, you may have other health issues, underlying health issues going on. So definitely keep an eye on them. And I would say that that's kind of the basics. Um, 
If you have any other information you want to share, I'm always all ears. Like I said, I will have a blog post going up on Laura Stewart blog, and I hope to have a YouTube video out in regards to this as well pretty soon. I think I'm going to try to shoot that today for you um, so that I can get it up. Just because if you're a visual person like me, sometimes that helps versus hearing it on a podcast or reading it on a blog post. Um, the basics are there that I just covered with you guys as far as where to get them. You can definitely order them from a hatchery. Just know that the shipping is usually pretty expensive to do that depending on how many you're going to order. If you live in a rural area and say there's free shipping if you order over 50, maybe ask your neighbors if they all want to go in, if they're ready to have chicks, what have you, so that you can save yourself the cost. I typically purchase mine from feed stores, Tractor Supply, Orschlins, Russell Feed, Atwoods. They all provide um, chicks during this time of year, particularly the spring, and they're going to have different breeds. Now, they are at the disposal of or of the of the hatcheries and what they send them. So just because one week they have uh, bantams does not mean that the next week they'll have that. The next week they may only have sex link. So you're kind of at the mercy as to what they receive and whether or not you get there in time to buy them. Especially right now, given the current climate of everything, they are going relatively fast. I have quite a few neighbors that have reached out and asked for assistance in raising their chicks, which I'm more than happy to do. I think the issue right now is finding them. Um, if you see something that says pullet, P-U-L-L-E-T, that means they are all supposed to be hens. If you see something that says straight run on the label, that means there is hens and roosters um, mixed in together. That being said, if you buy straight run, there's a possibility that you will end up with all roosters and get no eggs. There's a possibility that you will end up with all hens and no roosters. And for people that use them um, for breeding or for eating, what have you, or maybe that live on a farm where they don't last very long, um, it's typically cheaper to go with the straight run than it is the pullet. I, however, have no desire to breed chickens at this point. I have no desire to fist fight a rooster, <laughs> nor do I want it going after my daughter when we go outside. So for me, I do pull it. Occasionally accidents are made. Um, I know some friends that have purchased pullets in the past that have ended up with the roosters too as, as well. Um, if you don't want that rooster, typically posting it on the homesteader sites, um, somebody will inevitably want them. Keep in mind that you may not want to ask what their plans are to do with it if you are emotionally attached to the bird. <laughs> Farming has been quite eye-opening for me as somebody who grew up with just pets. It's sometimes hard to um, remove that mentality from farm animal. They're still treated um, really well. I still give them everything that I have to offer for comfort, for health, for care, for um, you know the love that I show them. But they are here for a purpose, and sometimes that mentality is hard to get into um, versus owning just a dog, a cat. Um, it does take some time, and that's something that you kind of have to prepare yourself for. That's the other thing that I was going to go over is if you have an animal suffering, um, the most humane thing to do, obviously, is to end its suffering. So if you don't feel like you're going to be capable of doing that should the time come, Maybe make sure that a roommate, significant other, spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, what have you, um, is willing and able to do so. If that's not the case, oftentimes I know there's a couple of people, again, on a home, local homesteading um, page that offer that service just because they know people can get attached. So those are all things to kind of prepare for and know. I would also have on hand, if you plan on raising chicks, chickens, a um, antibiotic spray 
called Vetricin. I also use a product called Blue Coat when they start to peck at each other. It just prevents the pecking. Um, I have a syringe on hand so that if one starts to crash, I can put water and an abundance of electrolytes and kind of um, provide it for them in their mouth. Now, I don't force feed, but I just I try to make sure that they stay hydrated. These are all things that, like I said, I think that are, are great to have on hand. And if you have any further questions, I am on Instagram, Facebook, my blog, YouTube as well, at Lara Stewart Blog. If you want to shoot me an email, it is Lara at LaraStewartBlog.com. I'm happy to answer questions there as well. If you have any recommendations on podcasts you want to hear in regards to hobby farming, chicken raising, sheep raising, gardening, I'm all ears and I plan to bring all of that information to you guys over the next coming weeks as well. Stay safe and I want you guys to stay healthy and I look forward to talking to you on the next one. Thanks so much for hanging out and thanks so much for being here.